Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, we are in a sermon series right now that is called Road Trip, Choosing the Way of Change. Uh, we've been talking in recent weeks about how now, there's something about road trips. There's something about getting out, away from home, out on the open road that makes us open to new ideas. It makes us open to new perspectives. It can be transformational for us. And that's why in the Bible, as God is working to change people, as God is working to change the world, uh, so often God will send people on these transformational road trips. In this sermon series, we're looking at one of the most influential road trip stories in the whole Bible, and that is the Old Testament story called the Exodus. Uh, It's the story of how God takes the ancient Israelites and God changes their status. God changes their identity. God changes their location by giving them a new place to call home. And to bring about all of that change, God leads the ancient Israelite people on a road trip. So we're following along with that journey in this sermon series, and along the way we're getting helpful insights about how we can better navigate change in our own lives. And certainly I think we can all agree this is a time that is full of change in in so many ways, uh, so, so this is relevant for us. Now, before we dive into today's message, would you pray with me? Oh, gracious and and loving God, we give you thanks for this time and this space that we have to turn our hearts and to turn our minds towards you. We pray that you would be with us during this time. Open us up to hear your voice, God. We pray that you would speak the words of comfort that we need to hear today, but also that you would push us and challenge us in the ways that we need to grow. Uh, We pray all of this in the name of your Son, who is the living Word. Amen. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, up in my bedroom upstairs at, at our house, and I had just gotten home from work. I was changing into a t-shirt, uh, getting ready to go down to, to have dinner with the family, and I'm zoned out, you know, thinking about whatever, and suddenly I hear this loud noise. It was like a, a crack and then a, a thud, and it sounded like it came from the walk-in closet that's like adjacent to our bedroom. So my first assumption was that, you know, we have a couple little kids at home, so I thought maybe one of them had gotten in there and was climbing around, maybe doing something they weren't supposed to do and, and broke something. So I barge into the closet, you know, ready to shake my finger and possibly send somebody to timeout. But I opened the door and I discovered that it wasn't that the kids had gotten in there, but apparently what had happened is that we had actually hung so many clothes so many pants and and shirts on the the rod and shelving unit in the closet that the whole rod and shelving unit had finally just collapsed under all of the weight. And I opened the door to find this big pile of clothes that should be hanging up that were just kind of in a mess on the floor. Well, I start cleaning up and and pulling all these clothes out to, you know, clear out the, the closet, figure out what to do with all this stuff. And as I'm doing that, I notice that a lot of these items of clothing 
are things that I have not worn for at least a couple of years. And honestly, uh, some of these were clothes that I forgot that I even had because they didn't fit anymore or they had gone out of style or, you know, I tried it on in the store and I thought it looked good, got home, didn't like it quite as much and it just ended up hanging there in the closet. Uh, and as I'm cleaning up, I'm struck by the fact that at some point in the past, for every single one of these items of clothing, I had wanted that thing at some point. But then my wants had changed. I had wanted some other piece of clothing and I had gotten that. And then at another point, my, my wants changed again and I had gotten another piece of clothing instead and, and on and on and on until I had accumulated enough clothes, apparently, embarrassingly, to, to make the whole closet just collapse. Now, uh, before you start judging me and, and call me a hoarder, uh, maybe you've already done that, but, but think for a second about your own closet. Uh, or maybe it's not the closet for you. Uh, think about your garage. I, I mean, how many of you have a garage that you can't even park in because it's so full of stuff? And how much of that stuff are things that you really haven't touched for several years or, or maybe longer, maybe it's not your garage. Uh, maybe for you, it's that drawer in your kitchen and, and you're, you don't even wanna open it because it always takes like 15 minutes to like pack everything back in there and get the drawer shut again. Uh, it could be the, the boxes of toys that your kids haven't touched since like three Christmases ago. Well, well for each one of those things, at some point in the past, you, you wanted that thing or your spouse or your kids wanted that thing but then your wants changed, you wanted something else, so you got something else. And then your wants changed again, so you got something else again, on and on and on. And I know some of us, uh, we have closets in our house that we are scared to open because of the, the stuff avalanche that might fall out and bury us for days. Um, as I was cleaning out my, my closet, it reminded me uh, of two things about human nature. Uh, number one is that as human beings, our desires are constantly changing. I mean, we, we rarely want the same thing for very long. Uh, number two is that our desires are basically endless. I mean, we humans, we're like a bottomless pit of desires. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, the, the comedian, he has this great stand-up bit where he talks about how growing up, his mom was always so concerned that he would spoil his appetite. It, she was always telling him, you know, don't eat this, too close to dinner, you're going to spoil your appetite. And, and he would always respond, Mom, it doesn't matter if I spoil this appetite, I got another one coming right after that. And if I spoil that appetite, there's another one coming and another one. That's just how appetites work. Well, that may not seem like a, a big problem. You know, we can just watch some Marie Kondo. We can just clean out our closets more frequently than apparently I do. Uh, clean out our garages, you know, no big deal. But here's what is a problem. And this is actually a big problem. And I'm guessing that this is a problem that many of us have felt before. Uh, we live in a, a consumer culture. And our culture says to us, it says, hey, uh, if you want to finally be happy, if you want to find the sense of fulfillment that you've been missing in your life, then our culture says what you need to do is you need to focus on getting what you want because that's the way to fulfillment, getting what you want. And, and on the surface, you know, that makes sense. And who wouldn't want to be fulfilled? And so many of us kind of unconsciously, we, we kind of make it our life's mission to just get what we want. Uh, now that's a problem because as we just noted, uh, our wants are always changing, 
right? Uh, as soon as we have the one thing, we, we start wanting the, the next thing, and so we, we don't ever get fulfillment, at least not for, for very long. Uh, what we get instead is a closet full of clothes that we haven't worn in years. We get a garage we can't park in. Uh, we get uh, checking accounts that are always running too low. Now, we get credit cards that always have a balance. Uh, we get schedules that are so overloaded with things that we think that we want that we can't even breathe because we're so busy trying to run around fitting it all in. And then internally, we get anxious and we get frustrated. We can get depressed. And all of this kind of leaves us wondering, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I mean, I, I keep getting these things that I want. I keep chasing things that, that I want. Why am I not happy? I mean, what is missing? What is missing? Well, today, uh, I want us to talk about what is missing, and I want us to see what we can do about it. Because all of that anxiety that we feel, uh, the, the frustration, the, the depression, it doesn't have to be that way. As it turns out, there is a better way, a much better way, and it's available to you, and it's available to me, and it can start right here and right now. Now, as it turns out, uh, this problem is nothing new. This trap of trying to seek fulfillment in life by, by getting what we want, that's been around a long time. And in fact, the ancient Israelites, they had this exact same problem. And even though they lived 3,000 plus years ago, uh, the reason that their story has been handed down to us, the reason that countless generations have preserved this story for us is because the lesson here, it applies just as much to you and me as it did to them. And this is a lesson that can free us to find a kind of fulfillment in our lives that actually delivers. Uh, here's the, the backstory for you. If you've been tracking along with our sermon series so far here, some of this will be review. But uh, the Israelites, uh, at the beginning of this Exodus story, they had been slaves in Egypt. And they had this, you know, brutal, backbreaking work. I mean, they were, they were oppressed. And when they were slaves, what the Israelites wanted, understandably, was that they wanted to be free. And God heard their cry, and God called Moses to be their leader. And Moses went and he confronted Pharaoh, and Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom. So the Israelites got what they wanted. And so as a result, we might think, well, the Israelites must have been very happy. They must have been feeling really good about life after that. And that was true for a little bit, for a little bit, but not long after that, their wants changed. And not long after they left Egypt, uh, they no longer wanted to be free. You know, they already had that. That kind of became old news. Uh, now they found themselves on this long journey. You know, God was leading them to the promised land. And for reasons unknown to them, God decided to take them the long way. God decided to take them on the scenic route. But it, it turns out it wasn't so scenic. They found themselves out in the middle of a desert. And on this journey out in the middle of the desert, they no longer wanted freedom out there. They got thirsty. And again, understandably, what they wanted now was water. And God had compassion on them. God provided for them. God led them to this oasis where they could get water. They got what they wanted. And so we might think, okay, well, surely the, the Israelites were happy after that. They were content. They were feeling good after that. And that was true for a very short time. 
But then their wants changed yet again. Uh, they no longer wanted freedom. They already had that. They no longer wanted water. They had already gotten that. That kind of became old news. They started getting hungry. And then what they wanted was food. And once again, God has compassion on them. God cares about them. So God provides them with food. God gives them this daily bread called manna. We, we talked about that in the sermon last week. Again, they got what they wanted. So again, we might think, well, now surely the Israelites are happy. They feel good about life. And yes, that was true for a short time. But then they didn't just want their daily bread. They wanted a wider variety of food. And then they wanted this. And then they wanted that. And on and on. Uh, and, and most of their wants are, are understandable, right? I mean, it's, it's legitimate to want freedom and food and, and water, of course. But since their wants kept changing, they just couldn't stay happy. Well, that brings us uh, to this passage that we read uh, a moment ago from Exodus chapter 20. And by this point in the story, what the Israelites really want here is they want this road trip to be over. I mean, they want to be in the promised land already. This is kind of the point in the trip where they're kicking the seat in front of them and just saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because they know that when they get to the promised land, they're going to get a bunch of stuff that they want. I mean, they're going to have plenty of food and water for their physical desires. When they get to the promised land, they're going to have newfound status among the other surrounding nations because they'll finally have their own territory. Uh, they're going to get to build wealth for themselves there as they establish a, a nice agricultural economy for themselves. So they think if we could just be there already, then we'd have what we want and we could finally be fulfilled. Now they don't see this cycle that they're trapped in, but God sees it. And God knows that if the Israelites go straight to the promised land right now, if God gives them what they want right now, then what's going to happen? You know the cycle. They're going to be really happy about it for, for a little bit, and then their wants are going to change again, and they're no longer going to be happy. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. God loves them way too much to keep letting this go on. God cares too much for them to keep letting this go on. God knows that they're never going to find the fulfillment that they really crave just by getting what they want. Why? Because that's not where true fulfillment comes from. God knows that true fulfillment comes not from getting what we want, but true fulfillment comes when we start living into what God wants for us. True fulfillment comes when we start living into what God wants for us. And until the Israelites learn that lesson, you know, they could be in the promised land, that uh, they could have the whole world and then some, but then they're still going to feel like they're in the desert. Uh, that's why. That's why at this point along their exodus journey, uh, God has the Israelites slow down. God has them pause here. And then God stages this, this kind of intervention. Uh, God has Moses gather all the Israelites at the base of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And uh, God's getting ready to, to speak directly to the Israelite people. And this was rare. Normally God would speak through Moses, but here God was going to speak directly. And apparently God wanted to make sure that he had their attention because God sends thunder and God sends lightning and there's smoke and there's trumpet sounds for some reason. Not sure what that's about, but it's like God has tried to grab the Israelites by the shoulders and God is saying, hey, 
listen up. For your own good, something has to change. You've got to change, God says. And when he has their attention, God says to the Israelites, hey, I want you to to just take a little break for just a second. Take a break from thinking about what you want and just listen. Listen as I explain to you what I want for you, God says. And the next thing that God says after that is something that all of us have heard of. This is where God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments. That's the context of the Ten Commandments. And then after God gives them those those Ten Commandments, uh, God actually goes on to spell out more than 600 other rules and and regulations for the, the people to live by. Now, why is that? Is it because God is legalistic? Is it because God just needs to feel powerful and and impose rules and and laws on people? No, no, not at all. It's because God loves them and God cares about them. And God has seen this cycle that they're trapped in and God knows that they are never going to find the fulfilling life that God wants for them without some teaching. Left to their own devices, they're just never going to find the life that God created them for. And God cares enough to give them guidance and teaching. Um, and as it turns out, and God does a similar thing for us. Uh, now, we are not ancient Israelites. We are Christians, uh, of course. And, and part of what that means is that most of those 600 plus laws and, and rules that, that are given to the Israelites, most of those don't apply literally to us. Uh, we're under a, a different covenant, and that's a, a different sermon for another day. Uh, but the spirit of these laws, God's deepest desires that, that motivate the giving of these laws, those do apply to us. And as Christians, um, Jesus does something really, really helpful for us. And you can thank Jesus for this next time you pray. Uh, Jesus actually boils down God's ultimate desires for us into just two things, two overarching things that are actually pretty easy to remember. Uh, Jesus says that what God wants for us is, number one, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. That's number one, actively, intentionally love God. And God's second deep desire for us is that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. In other words, love people around us the way that God loves people around us. Love God and love neighbors. Those are pretty simple concepts, of course, but as it turns out in practice, uh, they're not always so easy to live out. And in the complexities of life, it's not always super clear how to apply these two overarching things to our lives. And that's why throughout the Bible, God continues to teach us. God continues to flesh out what it means to love God and love our neighbors. And and just like those ancient Israelites, God teaches us because living in to God's wants for us, that's the way, ultimately, it's the only way to find true fulfillment. Well, on a practical level, as we think about how this uh, applies to us, here's what I think all of this means for you and for me. Uh, If we want to live the life that God wants for us, then we've got to do something pretty countercultural. We've got to do something that might feel a bit unnatural, and that is that we've got to stay teachable. 
We've got to humble ourselves to be taught and to be guided by God. Now, I don't think I have to tell you uh, that this can be a challenge for us because so often as we relate to God, if, if we're honest here, so often we're, we're often focused on uh, getting God to give us what it is that we want. Oftentimes we try to make God a means to our own ends, right? And so the challenge for us is to flip that script and to stay teachable. And that means going to God and, and, and saying, okay, God, uh, how can I be a means to your end? How can I love you more fully, God? Teach me. How can I love my neighbors more completely? Teach me, God. Uh, because again, it's, it's in asking those questions. It's in staying teachable and living into God's wants for us that true fulfillment is found. I'll be the first to tell you that this takes a, a lot of practice for us. This is not a switch that, that happens overnight, but it is something that we can learn. Uh, and there's lots of ways that, that we can practice staying teachable uh, in relation to, to God. But I want to make just one suggestion for us this morning. Uh, and, and that is this. Uh, reflect for a moment on why it is that you come to worship or, or tune in to, to worship like we're doing right now. And as you think about that, here's a question to consider. A am I coming to worship only so that I can try to get what I want from God? Or am I coming to worship to be teachable and to try to learn more about what God wants for me? Let me say that again. Am I coming to worship uh, in order to try to, to get God to give me what I want? Or am I coming to worship to learn be teachable and learn more about what it is that God wants for me. Now, don't get me wrong here. It is fine to want stuff from God. That's totally fine. It is fine to ask God for, for stuff that we want. And a lot of times, the stuff that we want is stuff that God wants for us as well. That was the case for the, the ancient Israelites, right? I mean, they, they wanted freedom. They wanted water. They wanted food. And God was happy to give them those things. The, the point, though, is that none of, us, uh, none of that will, will ultimately satisfy us unless we're more concerned with what God wants for us. And if we can stay teachable, then what we're doing right now, this, this thing called worship, it can become this weekly training. It can become this weekly practice for us in putting God's desires for us above our own. I think it was Einstein who said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. That's insanity, he says. And it, I think in, in many ways, that's kind of the way that we relate to our desires. You know, we, we keep thinking that we're, we're gonna be happy if we can just get what we want. But it never works, at least not for long, because we always want something else. And so if you're ready to be done with that, if you're ready to be done wondering what is wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? If, if you're done with the anxiety and the frustration and the depression that, that come with that, then let's stay teachable. Let's, let's stay humble and let's start orienting our lives more fully around what God wants for us. And even though that's counterintuitive and even though that is countercultural in, in so many ways, you know, we've got over 3,000 years of people who've gone before us. And, and they say to us, hey, uh, we've tried this, and this is true. 
This is the way to true fulfillment, and this is the way that leads to life. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious God, uh, as uh, St. Augustine famously wrote so many centuries ago, Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God, we live in this consumer culture that is constantly pulling our hearts in different directions, and, and we desire so many different things, and it's just impossible to fill all of our desires. And oftentimes we consume so much, and yet we feel so empty, God. And we thank you that you've shown us a better way. We, we thank you that you've created us for so much more. God, we ask you to liberate us from the, the tyranny of our desires. Liberate us from the, the chains of, of consumerism that, that keep us weighed down, Lord. Uh, help us to be humble. Help us to be teachable, God. And in doing so, help us to become a means to your ends. And in doing so, find the, the fulfilling purpose that you've created for us. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your guidance for us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You, consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.